The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode 113 of the podcast. Today is Monday, October 29th, uh, about almost two weeks and a day removed from our last episode. And that's entirely my fault because I went on vacation to Cuba, Puya Cuba, I should say. Uh, with that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey. Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, I know I'm feeling refreshed coming off a of vacation. How you feeling up there in the Garden State, my friend? Bill, I'm up just about ready for vacation because next week my school district has the whole week off uh, thanks to Diwali because we have a large Indian population. So if you're a listener of the show and you are of Indian descent, have a happy Diwali next week. Oh, happy Diwali, everybody. That's uh, what is Diwali? Uh, I only know from the office that it is. I want to say it's like Indian Christmas. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, not too, um, too savvy on this. I try to learn about as many cultures as I can, but um, yeah, it's just a big celebration of life and friendship, which you know I'm always down for that. Um, but Bill. Before we get into the MMA stuff, yesterday I a couple of friends invited me to go watch a soccer game. And Bill, you know this as well as anybody. I'm a huge Red Bulls fan. And Bill, on the last day that the Red Bulls could have won the regular season, they did it. Um, the team who was in first place lost. The Red Bulls won. And Bill, I'm super excited. I'm amped up. We got the top seed heading into the playoffs, so we get an automatic buy for the first round while all the other teams try to destroy each other so that they're more tired when they play against us. And Bill, as I was watching this, I was enjoying some some Coors Lights. It was a Coors Light type of Sunday. Hey, you got to have those every now and then. All right, well, congratulations to the Red Bull. Um, your, your enthusiasm is much more interesting to me than and watching one of these games, but <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing the passion coming out of you, Jeff. Um, I don't know how much uh, this weekend's MMA action got the passion out of you, but uh, the the Montcon card in Canada just didn't do it for me. The combination of, you know, aside from the main event, really no rankings implications throughout this card, and there was just some lackluster spots that really kind of lost me throughout. So we're not going to open with that. Instead, we're going to lead with the biggest piece of MMA news to come up in the last couple of weeks. And that is an apparent trade. Now the, the word being used is trade. I wouldn't really call it that uh, between one FC and, and the UFC. And so for those who have been living under a rock for the last week or so, or just don't follow MMA news regularly, aside from listening to this show, the UFC is releasing Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson from his contract so that he can sign with One FC, which is an Asian promotion uh, that's trying to break ground in the in the U.S. media, and they're coming really close to uh, signing a, a TV deal 
here in the States. They just signed Eddie Alvarez. They got some big names over there and they have released their biggest star um, wrestling standout, Ben Askren, who is undefeated and a lot of hardcore fans, myself included, Jeff included, have been clamoring for his UFC debut for a long time now. Uh, you know, even Joe Rogan couldn't get this done, but apparently, um, you know, the, the signing of Mighty Mouse was enough to uh, to get the ball rolling. Now, uh, a lot of the media outlets have been calling this a trade, and this has made some MMA fans furious, and it has made others really happy and excited, uh, those who are big fans of Ben Askren. Uh, I don't think trade is really the right word because that implies that the fighters didn't have a say in this. Let's be totally clear that Mighty Mouse has asked for a release of his UFC contract. Ben Askren has asked for a release of his one FC contract. So, <coughs> excuse me, the fighters did have uh, a say in this. It's not as though the UFC said, Hey, mighty mouse, we're sending you over to Asia to fight for one FC because we don't want you anymore. Um, mighty mouse made a statement before he even lost his title saying that he wanted to go over to one FC. He wanted to go to Bellator. He wanted to go to Ryzen. He wanted to win championships in all of those organizations so that he could really prove that he's the best in the world. My opinion, the most admirable thing that mighty mouse has ever said, uh, because he's a man of few words. Uh, so this is something that he wanted. Uh, he didn't want to resign, uh, in the UFC. He doesn't like the way fights are being marketed and everything like that. Um, so he wanted to go find some greener pastures. So I don't think there's any reason for, uh, you know, hatred or uh, all of the, the bad press for the UFC for, uh, releasing mighty mouse from his contract when that's seemingly what he wanted. Uh, I think people are looking at it the wrong way. And I think the language being used by the media as per usual, uh, is really throwing things off. Uh, you know, they're trying to get a rise out of people for the wrong reasons. And I don't think there's any need for it here. Um, before I go too far off on this <laughs> rant here, uh, give me your impression, Jeff, when you first heard this news break, what did you think? Bill, I gotta be honest with you. I love it, man. Um, Demetrius Johnson has been so dominant in the UFC's flyweight division that I think it'll be cool to see him in new pastures. He's expressed how much he loves, um, Japanese MMA. Um, that's kind of how he got his start, um, and his interest into MMA. And dude, like you said, we've been talking about Ben Askren for a long time and how it would be if he matched up against a Tyron Woodley or a GSP. And, Bill, I've been tweeting a lot about this Ben Askren um, pickup all weekend, um, and I've been hashtagging, hashtagging it the perm that makes them squirm, Bill. Um, <laughs> dude, I'm super excited. I can't – he's been uh, getting into Twitter wars with everybody. Um, Darren Till, Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley, GSP. He's called out Habib Nurmagomedov. Bill – I love it. I love the the buildup that he's acquiring. He even uh, tweeted Dana White, even though uh, Dana's got him blocked. He said, hey, boss, it's time to unblock me. So, Bill, I'm loving it, man. I love the storm that Ben Askren is bringing with him. And I, I don't think that the UFC um, made a bad trade at all. I think that it... Um, it provided really good wins for both 1FC and the UFC. And, Bill, I was talking about this at some point during the week um, on Twitter about how I would love to see, like, 
um, a, an MMA like super draft like they do in football and, and soccer where um, people or companies can pick up different contracts. They can trade contracts for people. I, I think it would really shake things up with uh, the major organizations like the PFL, 1FC, um, throw uh, – what's that other jab? Ryzen in there, throw in Bellator, throw in the UFC and just you know shake things up, change some rosters around and see what happens. Yeah, I think that it's important to remember the bigger picture here in that this opens uh, a lot of doors for for many opportunities that, that we've always kind of talked about. And uh, it, it sucks to think about like, well, what if this welterweight champion fought this welterweight champion? So now that we know that these organizations are actually communicating with one another, obviously somebody from the UFC had been in talks with somebody from 1FC. Uh, this may be the beginning steps to opening doors for co-promoted fights which would be really awesome if it's done right obviously you don't want things to be done like they were done uh in boxing uh because it just got too saturated too many championships too many promotions and uh it just wasn't regulated properly now i know the ufc would really hesitate to do this just because they got burned uh in the past uh a lot of people may not remember Back in the day, Dana White sent some fighters over to Pride, uh, including Chuck Liddell. And Dana went over with Chuck Liddell uh, where he, where Chuck Liddell beat Alistair Overeem and then lost to Rampage Jackson. And the deal that was made with Pride was that they would get Chuck Liddell for a couple of fights and the UFC would get Vanderlei Silva. Uh, Pride did not keep their end of the bargain, which is why Dana White has had a closed-door policy ever since that time. Uh, so you could kind of understand why he would get a bad taste in his mouth because he, he brought his biggest prize fighter over there. That would be like him bringing Conor McGregor to another organization today. That's the kind of superstar Chuck Liddell was at the time. Uh, <clears throat> and his fighter lost to rampage, got knocked out by him, uh, over in Japan. And then he didn't get what he was promised. So that's kind of what has put a kink in any co-promotion, but <clears throat> at least we know that, the UFC is in talks with other organizations as far as the possibilities for Ben Askren. Yeah. I love that. He's been calling out everybody. And I love that he's been shooting people down because there have been people like Jorge Masvidal and Mike Perry that have called him out as well. And Ben Askren is so knowledgeable about MMA. I'm sure he didn't even have to look these stats up, but he told Masvidal like, dude, you haven't won a fight since 2017. You're not getting a shot at me. Uh, so, He's a big time shit talker. Uh, he's going to stir the pot in the welterweight division for sure, which it kind of needs. Uh, the only issue with Ben Askren coming over is that his training partner, and actually he is the one of the coaches for uh, Tyron Woodley, the current champion. So Ben Askren is Tyron Woodley's wrestling coach currently. Uh, so <clears throat> I don't think those two would fight, but I think uh, they both have some different plans in mind anyway. I think Woodley's looking for some super fights and I think Ben Askren is looking to help push for that 165 pound division. Um, you know, I think he has the ability to fight down all the way at 155. If there's a potential for a fight with Khabib, he also has the ability to fight at 185, uh, which he has done in the past before. Uh, <clears throat> so I think it's an awesome pickup for the UFC. I think he's going to help promote a lot of big fights down on the line and 
who knows? Sometimes when these guys come over undefeated or or whatever, you you know, we remember this when the whole wave of guys came over from Pride, uh, and and started getting starched left and right. Uh, so <clears throat> there there's been, you know, you can think of countless examples of of high profile guys, Will Brooks, Marcin Held, uh, champions in other organizations, and they came in with a lot of hype behind them, and you know they just couldn't get the ball rolling in the UFC. So maybe that'll be the case for Ben Askren as well. But one of the best grapplers in the world, uh, you know, all American wrestler at Mizzou, uh, just phenomenal wrestling phenomenal open space wrestling he can take people down um in, in an open cage or open ring uh, and that says a lot because a lot of mma grapplers are are better up against the cage you know khabib Nurmagomedov included uh i think a lot of his best takedown work happens up against the cage ben Askren's one of these guys who can take you down in open space and he's really good at not getting hit so uh, I'm really excited to see who they're going to pair him up with. Uh, I know I think he's been going back and forth with Darren Till the most, so uh, we'll see we'll see what happens and what they do with him. But uh, I'm looking forward to it personally. Uh, any other thoughts on this trade? Uh, I know I went on a, another little rant there, Jeff. Uh, did I spark anything else in your head there? Yeah, dude, I love your idea of uh, co-promoting fights. Um, I mean, that's kind of what happened when the UFC took over Pride and when the UFC took over Strike Force later on, where we had um, Gilbert Melendez fighting against um, Anthony Pettis um, and fights of that nature. So super exciting. And um, it's where we got superstars like Luke Rockhold from, you know. Um, and yeah, and Daniel Cormier. Um, so, dude, I love it. I think it's a great idea. I, I think the UFC needs to do more things like this. I think it opens up doors for everybody. I don't think there's any losers here. Unless somebody trades for Bob Sapp, then whoever gets Bob Sapp loses. <laughs> I, I would watch Bob Sapp in the UFC. Imagine Bob Sapp against Derek Lewis. Oh, God. <laughs> One shot and he goes down like a dead fish. But you'd watch it. Oh, I'd, I'd pay money to watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, luckily we didn't have to pay money to watch UFC Fight Night 138 from Montcon, Canada, uh, up there in New Brunswick. I, I was really excited for this headliner fight, and I think it did not disappoint, but um, I think the result of this fight has me a little bit disappointed in the future of the light heavyweight division again because uh, we had kind of a breath of fresh air with these two for a little while, back and forth respectively, and um, I just don't think there's anybody who can hang with the top of this division it being, you know, Gustafson, John Jones, and, uh, I don't think Cormier will ever fight at light heavyweight again, but let's throw Cormier in there for the sake of argument. Um, I thought this was a phenomenal fight. I thought it was a really gutsy performance by Anthony Smith, uh, Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, kind of showed that the blueprint is out there to beat him. Uh, Daniel Cormier put it out there first showing that if you kind of wear on him a little bit and let him punch himself out and you can avoid those big shots early on that he will kind of get tired and uh, you know, his takedown defense just won't be as sharp as it is in the early rounds. And that's what Anthony Smith did. In fact, Anthony Smith shooting for a takedown uh, right after the opening bell in this fight, which was a surprise to a lot of people because he likes to stand and crack. Um, I, I don't, uh, well, let me get your, before I go any further, Jeff, uh, I want to get your take on this main event here, uh, which again, I want to say was a really entertaining fight. Um, 
but go ahead. Let me let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, Bill, I was super impressed with Anthony Smith. I think we saw another dimension to his fight game. We've seen him, you know, finish former light heavyweight champions in the first round. That's awesome. We know he has good striking, but this past weekend, we saw him be methodical in his approach. We saw him be patient. He was calculated. You know, he was in there with machinations to be Volkan Ozdemir. And one of them was, like you said, hang on him, let him punch himself out, avoid the big punches. And a lot of Volkan Ozdemir's striking is from close range. He's got a lot of powerful hooks. He can hit you from... Um, inside the clinch and Anthony Smith I thought he did a good job of not only keeping Ozdemir um on the back foot but also using his length really well when when the opportunity arise for it arose for it and in that last round man um I think he just could sense that Ozdemir was tired and landed a nice takedown where he was able to bypass the guard. You didn't even have to deal with that jump right on Ozdemir's back. And at the end bill, he was going for a rear naked choke and it wasn't working. So he did a really, really slick switch of his hands, but he didn't, um, leave any space for Ozdemir to break them before, um, he locked up the choke again. And I think you're right, Bill. Um, one of my biggest concerns for Ozdemir here is he has very little grappling experience. Um, there was one point where Anthony Smith had that rear naked choke locked in and it was tight, but it wasn't enough to finish the fight, I felt like. And Ozdemir was just happy to, to, to lay there and, uh, and not do much of fighting off the hands. But again, that could have been attributed to him being tired. Um, and dude, Smith, he did a good job. But his cardio, I think it's something he needs to work on. He was taking some deep breaths after that win. And I think you're right, Bill. I think that if someone like John Jones or Alexander Gustafson, even uh, Jimmy Manua, if they were to take Anthony Smith into the deep water, into those championship rounds, I think Smith would find a lot of new troubles. And I think somebody in those top uh, three or four guys would have his number if it went past uh, round three. For sure. Um yeah, so great analysis, Jeff. Um, Thanks. <laughs> and yeah, I think you brought up a lot of great points. Um, the finish was really slick by Anthony Smith. Uh, however, I, I don't know how his grappling would fare against a really talented grappler like we have at the top of this division, the Gustafsons, the John Joneses, the Daniel Cormier's. Uh, <clears throat> and Ozdemir, I think, is one of these guys who just works on his takedown defense and doesn't really worry about grappling too much. Um, you know, he was a longtime training partner for Anthony Rumble Johnson, who, you know, you could say the same thing for him. Once he punched himself out, he was really susceptible to the grappling game, and Daniel Cormier exposed that as well. So, uh, uh I think that these guys are sitting at the top of the division comfortably because this is a very empty division. Uh, and I, I don't say that to insult these guys. I say that for the fact that this division has such a strong top. It's so top heavy and then it kind of falls flat. So it's easy for these guys to work their way through. I mean, there's not really anybody in this division. Anthony Smith moved up and he's taking on Mauricio Shogun Hua, Rashad Evans, you know, guys who are not really in their prime anymore, but they're still ranked in the top 15. So he was able to move up the ladder and get a fight against the number two 
ranked contender uh, fairly quickly, uh, especially because he was staying so active. But then um, at the end of the fight, you know, he wasn't even able to stand up anymore because it, his leg was so hurt from those leg kicks. Uh, those low calf leg kicks from Ozdemir were really uh, taking their toll on him. Uh, so he was asking for a title shot. I mean, I guess there's nobody else in front of him. If John Jones and Gustafson are going to fight for the title in December, I, I don't really know who, you could have faced the winner of that. Uh, I mean, unless Gustafson wins and then you do a trilogy fight between those guys, uh, I don't think he's ready for a title shot in this division. I would like to see him get another tough test from another top competitor, but I also don't know who that could be. So we'll leave it at this was an awesome performance by both of these guys. For Ozdemir, I would like to see a rematch with uh, Misha Serkinov. Um that was a fight that ended really quickly the first time where Serkinov kind of rushed Vulcan and we found out that he can hit really hard while backing up. Uh, and I thought Misha Serkinov looked great in his, in his fight against Patrick Cummings. I mean, he submitted a guy who is an outstanding wrestler walk on at Penn state. Uh, and I believe he became an all American there, which says a lot because they don't allow a whole lot of walk-ons. Um, meaning that he wasn't, um, he wasn't scouted to be on the wrestling team there. He just showed up to a workout and they let him on the team. Uh, and that's a huge accomplishment. One of the best wrestling schools in the country. So I, I guess we'll move on to Misha Serkinov, who I thought looked really great. And then he called out Vulcan Ozdemir uh, with Ozdemir losing the main event. Uh, I see no reason why this rematch shouldn't take place. I think it's a good fight for both of these guys to kind of assert their positions in the rankings here. Um, I don't think, it's going to turn a lot of heads, but I would like to see it. Uh, so give me your thoughts on the Serkinov Patrick Cummings fight, Jeff. And, uh, what do you think about a rematch between Ozdemir and Serkinov? Yeah, dude, the Serkinov Cummings fight. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I've always thought that Cap Patrick Cummings looks a little small for light heavyweight. I think he could easily make middleweight if he tried. Um, and dude, he he just did not show up. I mean, Serkinov looked like he had no problems just manhandling him. Um, he was able to stop the wrestling. Um, I'll be honest with you, Bill. This was so fast that all I remember is Serkinov on top of Patrick Cummins, uh, locking up that triangle. And Cummins, he didn't know what to do, man. He needs to take some more jujitsu classes. I mean. That's awesome that he's a great wrestler, but he's got to be able to escape submissions as well as put them on people. Um, so, you know, that's what jujitsu does. I, I've always felt like jujitsu and wrestling together are such a dangerous combination. That I don't know why you wouldn't train them both. Um, but yeah, dude, Serkinov, super impressive. And I'm with you, man. I'd love to see him rematch against Volkanov. I think that's a super exciting fight. Maybe not to the casual fan, but to some of the more hardcore fans, I think they'd really enjoy this one. Yeah, strongly agree with the training, wrestling, and jujitsu. Uh, by the way, I'm a I'm a big proponent of that, as you well know, Jeff. Um, so <clears throat> let's um let's kind of breeze over the rest of this card. So I'll I'll throw a couple of fights at you, Jeff, and I'll give you a quick uh, breakdown from my end. And then I know you caught some of the prelims that I did not, so I'd like to hear your take on those. Um, Michael Johnson uh, with the lackluster performance against Artem Lobov, uh, who a lot of people really dislike. Uh, but 
look, I mean, the guy's got a losing record. He's below 500, but he's also never been finished in the UFC, uh, which says a lot. I mean, he hung in there with Michael Johnson, who's got fast hands. Um, you know, he took a lot of punches, but I, I don't think either guy really took a lot of damage in this fight. Um, they both respected each other a lot. Michael Johnson did miss weight by a pound, but we give him a break on that because he did take this fight on two weeks notice. And I think there was some confusion with the athletic commission and the amount of time he was given. Uh, Michael Johnson's not a guy uh, I ever worry about missing weight. He's a professional, even since moving down to featherweight. But um, th this was a, an okay fight. Uh, it was a little dull for me. Um, I don't have much of an opinion on it. Andre Sukumtat and Jonathan Martinez. I thought this was a mismatch. Andre Sukumtat really took it to Martinez. Martinez had his spots in this fight, but I think that was only because of the poor refereeing by uh, Jaron Vallel. Uh, the, the fight was paused a couple of times because it looked like Andre Sukumtat had landed some low blows, and then he turned out he didn't. And uh, you can't stop the fight unless there's a foul or there's some kind of malfunction, like uh, a glove needs to be cut or somebody drops a mouthpiece like that. You can't just stop the fight and say, hey, don't do that. You either have to give a foul and give the guy his five minutes recovery time, or you have to just let it go. Um, you can't just stop something because you think you saw something and then think about it and then give a guy time to recover when he's in a dom uh, when he's being dominated. Um, so overall, I, I think this was uh, uh, a real mismatch. Andre Sukumtat uh, is a really high-level fighter, and I believe Martinez was stepping in on last minute to fill in for somebody else. Uh, John Vellante and Ed Herman, this fight was just, um, you know, it had its moments where these guys were just kind of trying to slug it out, but um, John Vellante is just like the king of split decisions. He's lost a bunch in his last fight his last couple of fights and uh he won this one this fight could have gone either way in my opinion and it was just okay uh court mcgee with a really gutsy performance over alex garcia uh he took a pretty strong beating in the beginning of this fight and then uh came back to really wear on garcia and um you know weathered the storm and then came away with the unanimous decision so uh court mcgee who actually came back from the dead at one point in his life from a drug overdose, uh, came back from the dead in this fight as well to come away with the decision. Uh, I'll pause myself there, Jeff. Uh, are any, are there any of these fights that you're, uh, really yearning to comment on here? Yeah. I just want to comment on court McGee and his toughness, man. Cause I like Alex Garcia had him in some really bad spots in that first round and court McGee went back to his corner you know, just reset and was able to take the victory after two more rounds. And Court McGee, just a tough dude, man. And he was able to pressure Alex Garcia, make him fight off his back a lot after that first round. So if you missed that one, definitely go back and watch it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so <clears throat> that, that's pretty much it for uh, the main card, I believe. And then I just want to comment quickly on Sean Strickland, who I thought looked phenomenal against Nordine Taleb. Uh, uh, Taleb trying to argue the stoppage here, but uh, Sean Strickland really pieced him up on the feet. Uh, Taleb is a guy who throws a lot of straight punches. Um, super technical striker. So Sean Strickland was, was throwing some uh, looping shots and then mixing them in with shots coming right down the pipe and just basically landing at will on Nordine Taleb. And at the end of this fight, um, I feel like it could have been stopped even 
earlier than it was. Uh, as soon as uh, Taleb dropped and hit the ground, he seemed like he was out of it to me. And then Sean Strickland just blew past his guard, uh, started landing some big shots. And uh, I thought it was an excellent stoppage by uh, Eric Nevitt. So, uh, you know, we, we always like to credit good refereeing uh, whenever we criticize poor refereeing. So I'll do that with this fight. Uh, thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I think that Sean Strickland looked great in there. And I know Nordin Taleb was protesting the decision, but he was getting annihilated, dude. The ref, I think he did a great job stopping it when he did and just protecting to leave from, from himself in this case. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like Sean Strickland at welterweight. I was glad to see him move up. I think this is going to be a good fit for him. Um, you know, he's a guy who's been uh, a little hot and cold, but uh, he, he hasn't really been destroyed by anybody i mean he got knocked out with a spinning wheel kick in his last fight but other than that you know he went to a decision with kamara usman and he went to a decision with santiago ponzanibio who are really two tough guys with uh with uh, a lot of finishes so uh i, I think uh the future is bright for sean strickland 170 pounds uh I think if he's able to stay healthy, that he will do well in that division. Um, all right, Jeff. So uh, I'm going to hand things over to you because you saw some of these prelims and uh, I'm dying to hear about them. Yeah, dude. So the first one I wanted to discuss was at lightweight. It was Nasrat Hakparast versus Thibaut Guti, who was making his UFC debut. And, um, Bill, this was super entertaining. I thought that Goatee was uh, going to be dead in the water here against Hawk Parast because he's such a tough dude, such a powerful puncher. And uh, Goatee was able to hold on. Um, he lost a decision, but I felt like he, after getting annihilated in the first round, uh, he came back in the second round. I had him winning the second round. So going into the third, I had it 1-1, and Hawk Paras just went for it. He was in Guti's face the entire round looking for that finishing shot. So I thought this was a really, really entertaining fight, and I'm excited for Guti, man. That was his UFC debut. He was in there against the killer, and I think he did a really good job of not just surviving, but giving Hawk Paras a tough time, especially in that second round. And then um, the other fight but right before that was another debut for Chris Fishgold, who was a featherweight champion over at, um, what's the name of that British, uh, that uh, European circuit? Um, Conor McGregor was a champion of, uh, of the circuit here. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but um, he's coming over from Europe where he was a champion, and... Super, super good performance from him. He was looking for the finish the entire time. And uh, Calvin Cater, it looked like he was just too much experience. He had too much in his locker for Chris Fishgold here. And uh, that UFC experience, I felt like it really paid off. So Cater was able to land the finish. He let Chris Fishgold punch himself out. And um, after that was able to um sorry folks so uh like i was saying uh calvin cater using his ufc experience let chris fishgold punch himself out and was just able to really um be calculated in this finish so definitely go back and check out calvin cater versus chris fishgold um i really liked fishgold he was super exciting in this one and while he it didn't go his way 
I'm excited to see what's next for him. And in the early prelim card, this is UFC Fight Pass prelims. Um, the one fight that really, really stood out to me was Don Madge versus Tejovin Edwards. And the first round, unfortunately, I missed it. But, guys, as Don Madge came out for the second round, he landed two really, really vicious head kicks on Edwards. The second head kick just dropped him immediately. The ref stopped it as soon as it happened. He knew it was over. So, um, definitely go check those fights out. Madge versus Edwards, Cater versus Fishgold, Hawk Pross versus Guti. Um, all super, super entertaining fights. Um, a great way to open up this card, especially because the main card got a little boring at the end. So, um, Bill, those are the three fights that I think really stood out, especially not just in the early prelims, but overall. Don Madge versus Edwards, Cater versus Fishgold, and Hawk Bros versus Guti. So if you missed any of those, go back and watch them. Uh, the main card, not as stellar as I was hoping it would be, but we got what we got, Bill. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks for that breakdown, Jeff. Um, I lost internet for a little while there, so... I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode to hear that breakdown, but I, uh, <laughs> I will take your advice and go back and watch those prelims for sure. And the rest of you should all do the same. Um, so uh, that's all the time I want to spend on Moncon. Uh, it was an okay card. You know, if you had nothing to do on a Saturday night, uh, you, you know, it, it kind of, uh, it'll hold you over, but in between big pay-per-views. So we got another big pay-per-view coming up and that is, November 3rd, this Saturday night, Madison Square Garden, UFC 230. Daniel Cormier putting his heavyweight championship on the line against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Um, so, yeah, let's dive right into this one, Jeff. Uh, what are your thoughts on this main event that came together uh, like five minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I'm concerned, man. Um, I think it's sloppy work by the UFC's card makers. Um, you know, we had like three different main events for set for this Saturday. At one point, about I'd say about a month, month and a half ago, we didn't even know what the main event was going to be. Everybody thought it was going to be John Jones coming back, dude. It's a mess. Um, I'm kind of glad that I did not get a ticket for this. I was there last year when they were at MSG. It was a phenomenal card. But this year, I don't know, man. Uh, we've already had a couple of fights be canceled, a couple of fighters get new opponents. And, Bill, I hate to use this word because I hate this generation and how they talk. But, Bill, I'm triggered. Am, am I using that correctly? Don't ask me, Jeff. You're even going to die. <laughs> you would know, and you work with kids. You but um, yeah, I I guess it, it was kind of a miss. I think everybody was banking on John Jones making his return at Madison Square Garden. Um, I think I think somebody just forgot to tell John Jones because he wasn't ready to take a fight uh that soon. So, um, you know, credit to Daniel Cormier stepping up and putting a lot on the line here against. Derek Lewis. I mean, this is a big risk because Cormier has a dream fight lined up with Brock Lesnar potentially in January. And, um, you know, he's risking that because if he loses to Derek Lewis, that fight may disappear. Although 
<clears throat> I have a sneaking suspicion that something fell through with the Brock Lesnar fight, and that's why they were able to talk Cormier into taking this. Um, I, I'm not basing that on anything but a little bit of gut instinct. Um, so, you know, don't go reporting that or anything, but, uh, you know, if I were an irresponsible member of the MMA media, I would be writing an article like Brock Lesnar out of the January competition. Um, and then I would just make up some bullshit about it. But, um, I think personally, I was more disappointed about, uh, Luke Rockhold pulling out. I was looking forward to his rematch with Chris Weidman, but, uh, I think this is still a solid main event. Uh, by all means, Daniel Cormier should win this fight everywhere. But, uh, Derek Lewis brings with him that what if factor, um, you know, where he can just pull a haymaker out of nowhere. Uh, he could be seemingly exhausted. He, he tends to play possum a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be able to do that with Daniel Cormier because Daniel is just so relentless and without having to cut any weight, uh, you know, he may not look like it, but that guy can sprint for 25 minutes. Um, and he can really wear on you. So, you know, we've seen Derek Lewis broken in the past, uh, from, from strong grappling and, and from, uh, you know, guys that he just couldn't figure out oh, like Mark hunt. Um, so yeah, but you know, it, it should be entertaining. Um, but like I said, I'm a little more disappointed about not being able to see the rematch between Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. I think, uh, Weidman and Jacare is an interesting matchup, but, um, I, I know you were looking forward to Jacare and, and branch. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the co-main event here, Jeff? Yeah. So Bill, just real quick before, uh, we go any further into this card. Um, so something weird happened in WWE bill where, um, the current WWE champion, they call him the universal champion now, which I think is kind of a stupid name, but whatever. Um, he unfortunately has a in uh, a long standing battle with leukemia unfortunately so best best wishes to roman reigns uh his real name is joe so joe i hope you get well really soon but um unfortunately he had to vacate that title so um for a pay-per-view that's coming up it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus uh, Braun Strowman so for, for the vacant title. So I don't know if maybe that had anything to do with some negotiations with the UFC because um, I don't know if WWE is thinking of making him champion again. You know, I, I'm not saying that this is it, but I feel like it could play a factor in just uh, Brock Lesnar's time frame here. But, um, Bill... Um, I think that you gave a good analysis of what Cormier is going to do to Lewis. I think that he's going to grind him out. But, I mean, the fun part about this, and I'm trying to just see the positive in here, is that Lewis said it himself. He could be struggling for 24 minutes and in that last minute maybe get a KO. So really fun main event. As much as I'm complaining about it, I am looking forward to it. But, Bill, I'm so disappointed in this Jakare branch fight being canceled just because – I mean, David Branch did such an awesome job of calling out Jakari. I mean, he ordered frozen gator from Louisiana <laughs> to try to try and bait him out. So I loved it. I love the trash talk. But Bill, Chris Weidman versus Jakari Swoza, it is a grappler fan's dream. You have an all-American wrestler who has competed at Abu Dhabi 
um, which for those of you who may not know, um, the ADCC Abu Dhabi Combat Club is probably the highest honors that you could compete in in jiu-jitsu. Um, very few people win it. This is like another jiu-jitsu world's, I, I guess you could compare it to, super prestigious. Weidman's competed there. Jakari Swoza, obviously a phenomenal jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm excited to see how they match up on the ground, and I'm excited to see who wins the stand-up because Jakari's um, striking has improved by leaps and bounds over the last couple of years, and Chris Weidman, I mean, he didn't finish Anderson Silva for nothing. He can throw hands, so I'm really excited for this new co-main event. You know, I was really excited for Rockhold versus Weidman too, but dude, I'll take this in its place. I think this is an awesome matchup. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I really like the way you, br you broke that down. It's actually getting me a little bit more excited for this matchup. Uh, it'll be interesting because uh, what'll happen if we see uh, Jacare on his back? We've never really seen that before. Obviously, uh, Abu Dhabi champion, but he's really known for his top game old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu top pressure. Uh, he's not really known for having a great guard. And Chris Weidman is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt himself under Matt Serra. So uh, if he's able to put Jacare down, you know, how will that play out? And that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, will Jacare be able to get Weidman down if he has to? Uh, and then also Jacare has some really wild striking, which Weidman has shown susceptibility to in the past. Uh, you know, Yoel Romero is an example. Kelvin Gastelum caught him with a wild right hand. Um, you know, didn't finish him, obviously, because Weidman won that fight. But uh, it, this is a really interesting matchup. So the, the fight will probably go wherever Chris Weidman wants it to go. If he wants it to stay standing, then it will. If he wants to take Jacare down, he probably will be able to. I don't see Jacare being able to put Weidman down unless he rocks him first, uh, which is a distinct possibility. So uh, a lot of what ifs in this fight, uh, which makes a really interesting co-main event. So let's go on down the line. Uh, Jared Cannonier stepping up to uh, take on David Branch uh, and fill in for Jacare here. I think this is a really interesting matchup. David Branch is uh, the kind of guy where you never really know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, two division champion coming over from an organ another organization, uh, you know, didn't look so hot in his debut and then, you know, a starching knockout in his next fight. So, um, who knows which David branch we're going to get and Jared Cannonier always, you know, pretty solid, pretty consistent guy. So, uh, the, the fight I'm most excited about on this car though, Jeff is Derek Brunson and Israel Adesanya. Uh, you know, you could say it's a, uh, grappler versus a, a striker, but, you know, Brunson uh, is a wild dude. You know, he likes to come running face first uh, towards his opponent. And uh, Israel Adesanya, really, you know, precision striker. Um, so is Brunson going to come out with a great game plan to, you know, pace himself and try and take Israel down and wear on him and not let him get off any fancy strikes? Or, you know, is he going to run into something here? And these two have a little bit of bad blood uh, because they called each other out and they, you know, exchanged homophobic slurs and it was a good time for everybody so i'm looking forward to this one jeff because uh these two seem to genuinely dislike each other what are your thoughts yeah bill i'm all for some bad blood when it comes to the fight game um you know nothing like jumping out of the octagon and onto somebody but it, hurling insults in a bar 
I'll take. So I'm really excited for this one, man. I'm glad the UFC made this. Um, Israel Adesanya, he's proven that he is an, a phenomenal striker, but we've seen some weaknesses in his ground game. Derek Brunson, I feel like he's super well-rounded, and he's a big dude for middleweight, man. And he's got um, a really, really uh, big frame. He's got long reach. So even if his striking is not up to par with Israel Adesanya's, if he can keep him at distance, I think he can create a lot of problems here for Adesanya. For sure. All right, I'll continue down this card. Uh, Lyman Good and Sultan Aliyev. Uh, this could be a, a pleasant surprise on the card here. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, that's all I have to say about that one. Mm -hmm. that definitely be a solid fight and then uh the steamroller matt frivola uh who was part of our uh gracie tampa family down here uh got to start in mma here in tampa and then he recently moved back to uh new york where he's from and he's been training with uh sarah longo up there uh so uh matt frivola product of the dana white tuesday night contender series he won that uh roughly a year ago i think and he's had one fight in the ufc since he's taken on lando venata so this is going to be a really great, um, uh, really great matchup. I think uh, Matt Frivola really slick jujitsu, uh, but Lando Venata really tough to take down, really explosive striker. So I think we have a, a really cool stylistic matchup here. Uh, tall order for Matt Frivola and only a second fight in the UFC against a guy who has a lot of hype in Lando Venata, even though he's been kind of hot and cold uh, since his debut against Tony Ferguson. Uh, so that's a good one. Carl Robertson. Uh, this guy is a really explosive striker. I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in there. Uh, he's taking on Jack Marshman. That should be a great fight. Uh, I'm just going to go down a couple of more that I think are going to be sleepers, Jeff, because I think there's a lot of them on this. And then uh, I'll let you chime in here. Um, Julio Arce against Shaman Rice. Uh, that should be an interesting fight. Uh, Shane Burgos, uh, New York guy against Kurt Hollibaugh. Um, those guys are going to slug it out. I guarantee Jason Knight, always entertaining, getting in there against Jordan Rinaldi. And then we got Brian Kelleher and Montel Jackson, uh, close to the bottom of this cart. Uh, so, you know, Brian Kelleher coming off a really close fight, uh, where he got, you know, knocked out at the last minute by John Lineker. Uh, so he's looking to, uh, to bounce back here. So you're going to see uh, a really motivated Brian Kelleher, I think, um, I just threw a whole bunch at you, Jeff. What's sticking out to you here? All right, Bill. First off, I'm excited for um, Knight versus Rinaldi. Knight always puts on a really, really entertaining fight. Um, so I'm interested to see how their styles match up. I feel like Knight's super well-rounded. Uh, sometimes he's a bit hot and cold, but overall, very exciting fighter to watch. I'm excited for Ben Saunders. I feel like Ben Saunders does not know how to put on a boring fight. So always entertaining to watch him. Um, and I'm excited for Favola versus Venata, Bill. Um, both of these guys have interesting styles. I think that Venata is just a tough guy. He's really, really fun to watch in there um, because you never know what he's going to do, honestly. And like you said, he can be hot or cold. So I think that one's a really good fight. And, Bill, I'm, I'm going to – I don't know if you wanted to talk about this later on, but I'm going to throw in Sujar Eubanks and Roxanne Modafferi. I'm excited for that one because – for those of you who may not know, the this was supposed to be the final of the tough finale for the women's uh, flyweight championship. 
It never happened because Eubanks ran into some problems making weight. So that's why uh, Modafferi stepped in for Nico Montano. And I apologize. Uh, it was supposed to be Sajar Eubanks versus Nico Montano. Um, so I feel like this was probably the next um, the next best thing. And Bill, Eubanks is, was upset that um, she's not getting the title shot against Valentino Shevchenko because now it's Yana and Jacek. But Bill, I don't think Eubanks has anything to be upset about. I mean, she proved that she couldn't make weight. Her record's not that great. I think she was 3-2 heading into the tough uh, competition that season. And, Bill, she hasn't fought since. Um, so, I don't know what she's upset about, honestly. Yeah, still sitting at 3-2. She was actually supposed to be headlining this card against Valentina Shevchenko for about five days before the re UFC uh, realized that I guess they made a mistake. And, you know, I was even trying to defend that one uh, just, just to take uh, – you know, the road of positivity that I like to stay on. But, yeah, Sajara Eubanks going from headlining Madison Square Garden to being the curtain jerker or the first fight on the card uh, against Roxanne Modafferi. And that's not an easy fight for anybody. Roxanne Modafferi is one tough chick. Um, so I, I hope she's not too upset and she doesn't lose focus on the task at hand because uh, after the things she had to say about Joe Rogan and some other – uh, UFC higher ups. If she goes in there and loses this fight and goes to three and three after not fighting in, in about two years, um, I think that'll probably be the end of her tenure with the UFC, which is a shame because she's a really tough fighter, really awesome Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, hopefully she makes weight and puts on a good performance, uh, win or lose. So yeah, that should be a good fight. I, I think overall, this is a really solid card. Um, you know, New York is always a shit show whether it's the athletic commission or, or fighters pulling out, like there's always something off about Madison square garden, you know, very rarely do the stars align like they did when Conor McGregor headlined against uh, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, and I think there were even some hiccups on that card as well uh, before and around the fight. So who knows what could even happen between now and Saturday night, but I'm looking forward to this one, Jeff. Um, I'm also looking forward to, I told you at the beginning, uh, of the podcast that I went to Cuba. So I want to talk about that experience just a little bit. Uh, if you don't have any other thoughts on UFC 230. No, Bill, I want to hear what you had in Cuba. It sounds cool. Yeah. So Cuba was awesome. So we took a cruise, Royal Caribbean cruise line. Um, for those who don't know, a lot of cruises sail out of Tampa. There's a big, uh, there's a big uh, cruise ship port here. So uh, I wanted the opportunity to go to Cuba. Now that the, the gates are open for American tourism, uh, I really wanted to check it out. And I was really glad I got to go now because in Havana, uh, obviously the capital of Cuba, they're, they're starting to build a lot of hotels uh, on the water. And I think, uh, you know, the, the once, uh, once, I guess capitalism gets its grips uh, on Cuba. I think the scene is going to change a lot. So I got to see Cuba, uh, you know, the way it is now, which is, it's really cool for those who don't know a lot about Havana. So they have a lot of American classic cars from like the 1960s that drive around and they're actually taxis. They're privately owned taxis, mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, they kind of, uh, they fix them up in their own way. They like, they put a lot of Russian car parts in them and stuff, but they look really cool. And uh, a lot of the streets are cobblestone and the architecture is really interesting. A lot of, uh, you know, European architecture, obviously. 
and uh, just really vibrant city. You know, there's live music everywhere and, you know, people enjoying food and drinks. Uh, I got to go to this one bar called uh, the Floradita, which is known for creating the daiquiri. Mm. Uh, here in the States, we know the daiquiri is like a really sugary uh, strawberry drink. Strawberry daiquiri is the most famous here probably. So what I had was just a plain daiquiri, which is just like um, sugar and rum and ice. And they blended it up uh, and it was awesome. I got to have a, a legitimate mojito, uh, tried a couple of different Cuban beers. My favorite was called uh, a Bucanero, which uh, just means the Buccaneer. And it has a picture of a pirate on it. And it's just like a, a lager, nice, mm. nice lager. Uh, I had a Cuban sandwich, Jeff, which is not what we think of Cuban sandwiches here. Here it's got all kinds of stuff in it. Like, I don't know what, they put uh, pickles and Russian dressing and like all kinds of stuff. And um, so in Cuba, it's pork and bread and that's the way they do it. And it's pressed onto mm. the, sometimes they put cheese. Sometimes they do it with chicken. And uh, I was surprised to find this out because, you know, Tampa is known for Cuban sandwiches and there, there's always like all kinds of wacky stuff in it, but, but that's not the way they do it in Cuba. It's real simple. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I got to pick up a couple of cigars, you know, I like the occasional cigar, Jeff, and um, also brought back this bottle of Havana Club rum. It's uh, aged seven years. You can't find it in the United States, obviously. So I had to bring some back with me. Uh, you are allowed to bring up to two bottles of liquor per person back with you from Cuba without being taxed for it and up to a hundred cigars for anybody who's interested, um, in that. But, um, I, I didn't have a lot of cash on me. Um, and in Cuba, you can only use cash. They don't have credit cards there. Don't exist. They don't have credit cards. They don't have mortgages. They pay for everything in cash. Um, so I had to convert, uh, whatever cash I had on me to their currency, which is uh, Cuban pesos. And, um, you know, I was able to pick up a bottle of rum and some cigars. And uh, I was really fortunate to be able to see uh, Cuba the way it exists now. And this rum is really awesome. So I was getting into this last night with one of those cigars, Jeff. And, um, you know, it was pouring a little bit too, too easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, it, at first I thought the burn was a little too much, you know, with a, with a rum that's aged seven years, I guess I was expecting it to be smooth and, and the burn is really harsh up front. But, um, you know, I, I did my old trick with the one ice cube and kind of let it mellow out a little bit. And, uh, after that it was flowing really easy. So it's got, uh, kind of a, a, a coffee flavor to it up front, which is surprising because rum is made from sugar. So I was expecting it to be, uh, sweet, like the rums we know, you know, Captain Morgan and stuff like that. But no, this is, um, you know, it, it's only 40% alcohol, but it's a much more, uh, alcohol burn for a rum. And, um, I'm really enjoying this. I'm, I'm disappointed that, you know, this is the only bottle I have and, uh, I'll definitely save you some Jeff for when you come down, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I put some aside, but yeah, overall, I, I think that's just the, uh, the tip of the iceberg on my trip to Cuba, but, um, for the most part, uh, it was a really awesome trip and I was glad I got to see Cuba, uh, the way it is now, uh, before tourism gets its hold on Cuba and the, the main drag there is all McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and 
and uh, stuff like that because I see that happening. Uh, you know, once the Hiltons and the uh, everything like that, once the hotel industry gets in there and they start putting up, um, you know, those big hotels on the beach, they're building five of them simultaneously right now, uh, which is uh, it's sad, but yeah, you know, that's the way things go. They open the floodgates and, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't impact the culture too much, uh, because it really is an awesome culture. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was it. That was Cuba, man. I know I, I told you a lot about that trip so far. Um, if anybody is really interested, you know, reach out on social media and, and maybe I'll talk a little bit more about it next week or something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll try not to have the gap in the show anymore. Uh, you know, sorry to everybody who was waiting for an episode last week or, or even yesterday, because we usually put these out on Sunday, but my fault again, I went to Bush gardens cause, uh, you know, just living a nonstop life right now. That's the way it goes when you have a kid and family visiting and you got to take a vacation every now and then. So, uh, apologies to anybody who's waiting for the show, but now we're back and, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Jeff, anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? Uh, just one quick thing. It's interesting because that label of, uh, the Havana club, there's actually a club by my house, uh, not too far away over in West New York. And it is also called the Havana club and it's got that same exact logo. Um, so now I got to go talk to the owner. I got to see if uh, he's got any of that stuff lying around for me. Definitely do it. Uh, and definitely put an ice cube in it if he does. <laughs> All right. <Noted. laughs> well, uh, let me know on social media at MMA on the rocks. If you want to hear any more about Cuba or if you want to argue anything I've said on the show or, or you liked anything you hear on the show. Also, please uh, go and leave us a review wherever you're listening. Uh, it really does help us out a lot. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, you know wherever you happen to be listening, YouTube, please uh, review the show and uh, let us know what you think. We're always interested in hearing people's opinions, and uh, you know we always hear everybody out. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter, and we'll be looking forward to UFC 230 just like the rest of you, and we'll be back next Sunday. Until then, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>